Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Let's rock. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Back it down a lefty hook. Breaks it in. With your host, Elliot Anderson. Stop it down behind his head. Sekou Smith. The tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Somebody slipped up and let us back in the building. The Hang Time Podcast is back on the air again. Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine, is joining me. Lang, how are you? I'm good, man. I stole the keys. We can get in whenever we need to. <laughs> Sekou Smith from the Hang Time blog at NBA.com. Behind the glass, Micah Hart, our super producer. We kicked Clint Hawkins out this week. Christy is joining us, taking his place. We may never let Clint Hawkins come back. He's he's on our list. Why, why'd you kick him out? Uh, he actually had something else to do. So that, well, that's that's a story for another day. Uh, Lang, I, I know you were uh, front row and center last week uh, in New York for the World Basketball Festival's uh, festivities at Radio City Music Hall and all the good stuff. How how was that? It was cool. You know, it, I think it, it, the basketball itself that night, on, that was on Thursday night, the basketball was a scrimmage between the, the USA team. So it wasn't. Uh, as good as probably the game on Sunday where they played against uh, France, France and yeah. there was actually something at stake there, even though that was game doesn't count. But they, I think um, at, the coolest thing about Radio City, obviously, is Radio City. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it was amazing to see the court fits almost perfectly on the stage, um, and so it was like just a, a amazing backdrop. And um, it's first time I'd ever been to Radio City, so it was really? actually yeah, it was cool to see the inside and. Um, you know, a historic place like that. And, uh, but then after the game, they'd been promoting a special musical guest, as they said. And then, uh, they, it, arena went dark for a while and they changed the set. And, uh, after like 45 minutes, the curtain dropped and it was Jay Z with a full band with horn section and everything. So that was really cool. And he performed for like 45 minutes. I, I told people that's the best free. 45 minute jay-z show i've ever been to <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> so it was really cool I, I i thought it was neat and then uh they you know they had games all weekend um rucker looked amazing they yeah transformed that and put scoreboards up and everything and then the game uh, yesterday at the garden with uh usa against france was uh and then china played puerto rico too those were both really good too so right uh I, i'm curious to see how they end up playing and watching the game yesterday i thought uh they look really athletic at times, and I think if they can dictate athleticism, uh, they'll be okay. But I, I don't know how, uh, if they have to play half court, how that's going to work out for them. Right. Uh, before before I even take another step, you've been in you've been living in New York for how long? Ten years. Ten years. What other uh, landmarks or you know special places have you not set foot on yet since you've been living there? I mean, I imagine you could spend a you could spend 30 years living in New York and not see everything, of course. Yeah, so. no, that's that's about it. I mean, I've been to Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty, Lincoln Center. Right. 
the garden. Um, I don't know where else. I mean, I've been pretty much everywhere. But, and my wife works right around Radio City, so I'm, I'm around it all the time. I've, I've just never been inside it. Yeah. Anything. Um, so that was really cool to see the inside. Um, uh, and it was cool to see it as a basketball arena. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's different. See. Yeah. And then, uh, and then to, to see a Jay Z concert there was pretty awesome too. So. Yeah, I saw on Twitter there were. I mean, the people who were there, a lot of different people who were there, were tweeting stuff out and yeah. uh, and pictures and stuff. It was that's interesting. I, I saw uh, where LeBron James had tweeted something about there was going to be a surprise for everybody from New York the next day. So I'm assuming he was talking about that. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that was pretty cool that they threw that in there to kind of spice up that day. Uh, John Schumann, NBA.com's John Schumann was there as well. You can maybe catch some of that stuff in, in some of the scenes and atmosphere that he uh, talked about on NBA.com. Lang, you, what are your ch- feelings about Team USA's chances, now, or the U.S. national team, I guess we should be calling them? What do, what do you feel like their chances are medal-wise at the World Championships as constituted right now? I mean, you think they're – I don't know if we can say they're a the favorite, but they got to be in the mix of I think so. Yeah. I think they're in the mix. You know, we had John we had John Schumann on a couple weeks ago, and he was saying Spain's probably the favorite um, – and I can see that. I, I think it, it, the interesting thing is if they play Odom at the five, um, you know, he gives them that center who can step out and, and shoot from the outside. And that's kind of what's hurt the U.S. the last couple uh, world championships or international things is some of the other teams have the centers who would step out and, and shoot from the outside on the pick and roll and they would just pop out. And I think Odom gives the U.S. that. And I think he, he'll be better at defending that. Uh, you know, obviously Marcus Soul is is going to be bigger than anyone the U.S. has, and could cause problems on the inside. But um, I, you know, I think the U.S. is going to be the most athletic team there, and uh, if they can figure out how to use Odom uh, and how to get by when he's not in the game with other guys at center, I, I think they might be okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be interested to watch. Um, you know, this it's a this past week was interesting. They had, you know, you had the. U.S. national team on display, and then the Hall of Fame stuff as well um, because we were kind of flipping and watching some of the Hall of Fame stuff Saturday morning at the house. Right. Uh, and uh, my wife was laughing at Cynthia Cooper's speech because uh, <laughs> we were laughing at just kind of the way she was talking about, hey, Mike, I'm, you know, I'm a USC Wilmington now. I took over your town. I mean, I don't think people – I've been to one – I've been there once for the induction ceremony year, Dominique. Went. I don't think people realize how – unbelievable a setup that is on that weekend when you show up and all of those legends are walking those same halls and mingling and in the same hotels. I mean, it's a pretty unbelievable night. And to think the last two years you have Jordan's class last year. Right. And then the dream team and the 1960 team are both in the house this year. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, I talked to my friend, Bethlehem Shoals from AOL Fan House, Free Darko, and he he was there this weekend. He said uh, the most amazing thing is you know you just you the ho- you, at the hotel you just go get coffee and there's Willis Reed getting coffee <laughs> or um, he said he had lunch with Dave Cowens. Right, it's just pretty amazing to to all of a sudden you're just up close and personal with all the the greatest people to ever play the game. Yeah, I mean it's I haven't been back since uh, that year Dominique was there, but I want to. I mean that's one thing I got to do. And I don't know. I got to pick the right year. I guess you got to go when, you know. No offense to, I mean, the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. But if you get the chance to go when Jordan's going in, or right, you know, been there one time, and uh, John Starks was was there talking to a, a children's group. But 
I imagine uh, that's probably the only time he's been to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, what was well, he doing know, there? Would he take a wrong turn on the – I think for us, though, the, for at least our generation, the next 10 years, it's going to be pretty cool just because it's all these guys we grew up, you know, right. watching. And um, and I think there's – I don't know who, who's left. Who's coming up to get in, I wonder. Oh, I don't know. Listen, Fran Blindberry put a great uh, – has a great column on NBA.com today about that very topic. Um, uh-huh. Where he's kind of talking about the guys who are locks, you know, Kobe, Shaq, right. Tim Duncan, Wade, KG, LeBron, Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, AI. He says those guys are locks. Yeah, I um, think so. And then he says that this interesting list, knocking at the door. He says Manu Ginobili, Paul Pierce, Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Ray Allen, and Tony Parker. Which I'm I'm kind of surprised that he thinks Manu. Is a you know is at the door. I would think Manu Ginobili is going to get in for sure because it's the basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame. Right. Not, I think you know. I think Tony Parker's probably uh, uh, close to a lock. Also. Yeah. Kid, uh, kid to me would have been on the first list. Jason yeah. Kidd. I don't. You know. You talking about I, from the breadth of you know the, the entire breadth of his career from high school to now. He how does he not a Hall of Fame? Yeah, and I think Paul Pierce is probably a pretty good bet too. Yeah. You know. Um, just for being a Celtic for so long, he was a Finals MVP. Right. Uh, I think he's got a good shot at it too. Yeah, he's got he's got uh, some interesting names on his work to do list. Guys who have a little more work to do. He's got Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Melo, uh, Paul Gasol, who I think should be on that first list. Amari Stoudemire, Yao Ming, who you figure has to get in. Yeah. At some point, uh, Deron, you know, Darren Williams, Brandon Roy, and T Mac, who to me, yeah. T Mac is like one of the all time argument starters for the hall of fame like i was just about to ask you about him (laughs) you know like uh our our former uh co-host here on the blog or on the uh podcast excuse me uh vince thomas and i i think we almost got the slap box in the hallway one day (laughs) arguing about t-mac because he was like man t-mac you know he's like t-mac's the you know arguably the greatest one of the greatest players to ever play and i'm like Really? I was like, you think T Mac is a is a Hall of Famer? Because I wasn't sure he's a Hall of Famer. He was saying that he thought T Mac was had better Hall of Fame credentials than Dominique Wilkins, which I didn't agree with. Um, I disagree with that too. But yeah. I mean, the guy's been a what six, seven time All Star. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, if you look uh, at the numbers and you know start looking at his career, you go, well. But then he know. never he's never won a playoff series, and right. you know, that that'll always get held. Just like it was always held against Dominique that he never got to the conference finals. Um, you know, one name we haven't mentioned that I think is a lock to get in is Grant Hill. Yeah, uh, because uh, if, because of what he did in college, if nothing else, and um, you know, he's he obviously he's had the injuries and stuff, but he's he's multiple time All Star also and uh, big scorer and has uh, meant a lot to the game of basketball. I think, and I think he's probably a lock to get in too. Yeah, I mean, another look. This is a great Fran makes a great point uh, on on McGrady and his column. Um, Seven-time All-Star and two-time scoring champ, but in fact the only scoring champion in league history to have never won a single playoff series. Yeah. I mean, you got these beautiful contradictions with T-Mac, which to me really personifies his career. It'll be interesting to see what he does in Detroit this year. Um, yeah. You know, because he's basically – he's not a guy that's trying to salvage a legacy or anything like that. Whatever is written about him is basically done. This is just – Add no, you know, these are just the footnotes. Just add ask no you guys this: when you talk about a guy like Grant Hill versus McGrady, one of the things about McGrady to me is a lot of the uh, prep to pro guys really don't have anything else to exactly. embellish their resume. And Hill's case, like you said, his Duke stuff right. makes his case a lot, but McGrady has nothing other than 
NBA, and I think he may have been on like one Olympic team or right. something. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, Grant Hill could get into the College Basketball Hall of Fame alone. You know, I mean, if right. he just went in on his college resume. So. Yeah, it, that works against him definitely, and it, it same way it works for the the international guys. Yeah, having like Pau Gasol winning a world championship with Spain previously, I think that goes a long way for him. Yeah, I mean, I it's, I don't know. I I love Hall of Fame time because it starts up these arguments that you have year after year. And, you know, and like you mentioned, Lane, the guys we grew up watching, and and obviously we bridged a couple of generations. <laughs> of, of NBA watching. I mean, we're not. We're, I mean, seriously, we're not just guys who grew up watching KG and and you know the guys right. who came in the league in in the early '90s. I mean, we were around watching Jordan and before, so right. you get a chance to to really comprehend what constitutes a Hall of Fame career. And it's I don't you know I don't know. I have a hard time salvaging Hall of Fame credentials for some of these guys. It's just. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can put strictly on what they did in a ten to twelve, thirteen year NBA career when you haven't been a standout beyond regular season numbers and statistics. True, and but I, you know, I think you also have to consider just the way the person is considered in a way. I mean, look at Dennis Rodman. Right. Um, he won five rings. Uh, what do you average? Twenty rebounds one season or yeah. something like that. I mean, uh, I think he led the league in rebounding four or five times. I mean, he, he's had a Seven-time rebounding champ. I just looked him up. Uh, <laughs> seven-time all-defensive first team. Right. Uh, two-time defensive player of the year. Five championships. Two-time all-star. Um, and it's kind of ridiculous that someone with those credentials isn't in the Hall of Fame. And obviously, the off-the-court stuff has worked against him. And yeah. you'd have to assume in some way uh, to keep him out. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't say his name and you just rattled off those credentials, right. somebody would be like, of course he's in the Hall of Fame. But when you Google him, the first pictures <laughs> that come up is like him in a dress and, yes. him and Carmen Electra and all this other stuff. So, I mean, I, that I think they consider the entire legacy with the guy. Yeah, five, he's got five championship rings and five earrings in one ear. <laughs> so, I mean, like, they, they're, they're knocking him for appearance, I would assume, because you can't can't argue the man's credentials. Yeah. Um, you can argue the color of his hair, maybe, but not. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so, what else do you think, Lang? In terms of, uh, you know, the summer we've had all this other drama going on, and and now we're kind of coasting into this this uh, period where training camps on the horizon, but everything else is kind of quiet. I mean, we're gonna have the World Championships, and before you know it, guys will be showing back up for these summer workouts. You know, I, I love being in Atlanta for that time of year because so many guys come through here and play at the uh, Hawks practice facility. I plan on going down right after Labor Day right. and, and catching up with whoever's here. There's usually pros from all over the league, um, you know, working out and, and playing pickup games, which is a great time to bump into guys from other teams. What What's on the schedule in the next few weeks, you know, and really in the next month and a half or so? I know that, I mean, the guys who are playing with USA Basketball, they're, they're I think, leaving right now from New York for Madrid right. um, to train stuff. But they don't get back. Uh, uh, until like I think September 10th or some 12th or something like that. They're gone for a full month. Yeah, um, which is a long time uh, <laughs> for these guys. Uh, so I, I think for those guys, in a way, it's going to be some of them are going to be in the best shape of their lives when they get back because they're going to be playing every day <laughs> for the next month and, and like playing hard. Um, I, I, as far as these other guys you're talking about, you know, I think it's kind of the calm before the storm. Yeah. And because people are going to start talking about football and college football, baseball playoffs, all that. And then um, beginning of October, guys start showing up for camp, like you said, and uh, it's going to be time to turn our attention to that. 
Well, the good part is you get to keep up with players and everybody else on Twitter. Charlie Villanueva yeah. stuck a great picture of his seventh annual family reunion <laughs> in New York City over the weekend. He's got a picture of it on Twitter. That's, if you're going to have an off season and enjoy yourself, this is how you do it, Charlie V. I, I like this. I like this. <laughs> um, I, you know, the by the way, the podcast is going to be going basically every other week for the next month or so until it started training camp. Um, you know, Micah has got like, you know, six months of vacation time. He's got to squeeze in, Lang. He's going to be all over the, you know, all over the country and a, all over the globe, vacationing, globe trotting, doing his thing. Um, <laughs> so we get like every other week, we're going to get a week off. We appreciate that, by the way, Micah. Yeah. Listen, it's hard to shoehorn six months of vacation into a month. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we're going to have kind of a staggered schedule around here, um, which will give us a chance to breathe a little bit and, uh, but still be, you know, showing up every week with some good information and good guests and kind of ge- keep everybody uh, primed up and ready for uh, training camp. And on the show today, Lang, we we, uh, we got a couple of special guests lined up. Um, but before we get to them, I got to ask, have you been watching this? And there's only been one episode, I guess, so far. But have you watched this Jets training camp? Uh, what's it called? Hard Knocks? Hard Knocks. Have you watched this stuff? I mean, have yeah. you seen any of this? I actually um you know, living in New York and being a Falcons fan, they, the Falcons <laughs> are rarely on national TV, and right. unless you have Direct TV, and I'm not allowed to have Direct TV because I live in an apartment that doesn't face south. What? So you have to be able to have a southern-facing view to get Direct TV. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't get to watch the Falcons very much. Right. I, uh, I did, however, uh, try to like become a Jets fan the last few years because I figured, well, they're going to be on all the time. I might as well watch. So I figured this would be a good time to get into it. Um, my wife doesn't really follow football at all, anything, but we watched Hard Knocks the other night. Ten minutes into it, I was like, you know what, we, you can, we can change it if you want. And she was like, don't change it. Totally into it. Right. So we watch Hard Knocks all the time. And I, I, I mean, I think it does a good job of getting – they do a good job of creating drama and getting casual fans into the sport and into that team. I mean, I'm, the reason I bring it up is I'm just curious, what are the chances of a Hard Knocks-style show – showing up on and i never mind our, our fine friends at hbo i think we need to have it on nba tv myself sure um shameless uh plug <laughs> for the for the for the hometown brand but uh the nba's executive vice president of basketball operations Stu jackson is uh is joining us now on the podcast and he's a mover and a shaker let's see if we can maybe convince him to uh help us get this hard knock style nba show off the ground Stu, how are you I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Good, good. Lang Whitaker is joining me, Seku Smith here uh, from the Hangtime Podcast. And we're just trying to figure out what are the chances of uh, the NBA office signing off on a hard knock style show for the league? Well, you know, we, <laughs> in the past we've actually had something called NBA Training Camp, which has uh, historically been aired on NBA TV. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, so it's a similar version of that, although – I have to say, some of the uh, access that I've seen on Hard Knocks, or at least last week, uh, I don't know if we have a character like Rex, Rex Ryan in our league. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely use the bleep button on the uh, NBA version of the show. Yeah. Rex, if that helps. Rex had to apologize to his mom after the show aired because uh, she was a little upset with how, uh, how real, I guess, the show was. So. We wouldn't have that problem. I'd just find him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 
I wanted to ask you too, like when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? Because they know, like, <laughs> when, when your name's usually involved, it's somebody getting fined or suspended or something like that. No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. <laughs> because they see my number come up and they 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 ignore it and then call me back later so it uh it's not a time saver <laughs> Stu, will it does it get any easier explaining to people i mean you would think guys would would understand that you know you, there are certain things you have to abide by and if you want to keep your money in your pocket um but does it get any tougher sending that message like you know every time you hand out a fine you would think guys would understand no more well, you know, I think that our players are really not unlike any group, um, you know, that size of 450 players. And our players are terrific. Um, I mean, the overwhelmingly uh, majority of them uh, follow the rules pretty much on a daily basis, whether they're on the court uh, or, you know, their behavior off the court. But as with any group that size, uh, the message doesn't always get through, and, you know, just as human beings, sometimes you make uh, decisions in the heat of battle or in a competitive situation that sometimes you wish you could take back. And, you know, we expect that, but it's incumbent upon us to deal with it and deal with it in a way that doesn't necessarily only penalize uh, the individual player, but also, you know, sends out a clear message to all of our 400 and you know, 50-some players, that that type of behavior won't be tolerated. So over time, uh, it works. And as I said, uh, you know, the overwhelming majority of the players are terrific. You know, we hear about this, the fines and suspensions. All that what else do you do as, as part of your job with the NBA? Well, uh, you know, that's a very good question and one that I uh, ask myself uh, every <laughs> uh, But, um, y- you know, you know, I, I tell people who ask me, they usually call me the fine guy, and they ask me, well, what does basketball operations really mean? And, you know, I try to tell them that it's basically anything that you see uh, on your television screen. Mm. And that includes uh, the playing court. Uh, you know, we're responsible for putting on uh, uh, close to – uh, we look at ourselves as putting on 1,400 events each night that have to be good entertainment value for our fans and allows the players to play in a safe and a fair environment. But we're also responsible for the quality control of our game, and that can be anything that ranges from the equipment that we use, the floor, the basket, the stanchions, the backboard, to the administration of our game in terms of the data that we collect at the scorer's table, uh, which we also manage and are responsible for the distribution of game statistics and our data. But, you know, the more important stuff, I would say, are just the rules of the game, how the games play. That's something that we monitor on a daily basis to ensure that we're putting the most entertaining product out there on the floor and uh, and gives the players a foundation to allow their tremendous athletic skills uh, to flourish. And then if that's not enough, uh, you know, besides what, hap- what happens on the court, we try to affect the game in other ways. And, and that is to, you know, uh, look at the rules in the game, uh, re- make recommendations to our board that directly affect the rules of the game. Um, you know, we put on events, uh, whether it be the NBA draft combine. Uh, we play a big part in the NBA draft itself, uh, summer league. Um, you know, I serve on a variety of different committees in and around the game that affect it. So, 
you know, we wear a lot of different hats around here. Wow. I mean, that's that's probably a lot more than people understand, too, because when you say the, the fine guy, you know, when you become known for, for one thing, people just assume that's all that your job entails, dude. But I'm curious as well. Do, I don't think the casual fan understands. The, you talked about everything that, el- that all the other stuff that goes into it. You're talking about, like, length of shorts and the appearance of the uniforms. All of that stuff is involved with basketball operations, correct? That's correct. Um, you know, and it's one of the items probably I didn't uh, touch on is that we're also responsible for, you know, uh, you know, game decorum, you know, how our players uh, look and how they behave uh, while they're at work. So, you know, that can include something, as you mentioned, in terms of, you know, how they are dressed, uh, you know, uh, as an inactive player sitting on the bench, how they wear their uniform, um, how they stand during the national anthem, uh, you know, what you know, is allowed and not allowed in terms of accessories to the uniform. Uh, I mean, you know, connect the dot. I mean, if you just sort of had a league, any professional sports league, and permitted all your teams and your players to do what they want, I think we'd see some pretty compelling individual styles. But that may not necessarily project uh, your product in the best light. Well, i got, I got to be honest with you, Stu. For Lang and myself, we appreciate that there's no media uh, dress code <laughs> policy because we both would be broke right now, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen you. You dress pretty well. As long as there's no fine for wearing a vest. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, uh, do you do you have a hand in scheduling? I mean, you mentioned you guys put on the games. Like, the schedules just came out. Do you kind of oversee that, or how does that work? Yes, uh, we are responsible for that. We're responsible for scheduling of all regular season games. Uh, playoff games, uh, referee uh, assignments during regular season, and also the playoffs. And it's uh, just yet one more area, again, surrounding the game that uh, we're involved in that really assists putting uh, you know, out the product. That's awesome. Well, listen, Stu, we, listen, we know you're busy, and we appreciate you taking a few minutes to come on with us today. Um, and uh, definitely we'll see you down the road, and we will definitely have our shirts tucked in when you see us. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and no hard not cur- cursing either. Exactly. The yes, bleep sir. button is on, sir. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Stu Jackson, Thanks, the sir. NBA's vice pre- executive vice president of basketball ops. Micah, watch your language. I, I, you know what, Lang? That was a, a more detailed explanation, I would imagine, than people understand of of what he does. Um, yeah, I I've, have, I've had conversations in the locker room with players who were complaining, like, man, I got fined, you know, because my shorts were – you know, weren't this or my socks this. And I'm going, are you serious? You know, I was like laughing, like, really? And they're like, really? You know, all of that stuff is is something that's watched by the league, which I think is probably more information than, than the average fan realized. We didn't even get a chance to ask him about Dennis Rodman and <laughs> if, if bringing it all together if he was playing now. Yeah, connect those dots and no. see what happens. Uh, you know, the, the the one other thing we didn't talk about is where that fine money goes, which – I believe it's. I know NBA it's the charity. Yeah, it's the yeah. charity. But I would have loved to have have him explain that uh, further. You know about yeah. you know because people are wondering like you know is this going to the you know the yacht club fund or somebody right, getting right, it, right. you know but it's actually going to a good cause so yeah, exactly um, that helps. But yes, it, listen we I don't I don't know we I guess we got to give Mike a hand for some of the interesting guests we get uh, 
on the podcast here, Lane, because we have had some of everybody. And uh, our next guest it trumps even Stu Jackson, if I if I can say that. I hope <laughs> I didn't get myself or our next guest fined. But uh, Baron Davis, uh, Los Angeles Clippers guard, joins us now on the podcast. Baron, how are you? I'm good. How's everything? Good. What's up, good. What's up Boom? It's Lang. What's up, Lang? What's happening, baby? <laughs> How's your beard looking? Uh, it's, it's low right now. Okay. I gotta, I'm got. i going to start letting it grow out now. I'm going in the growing mode. <laughs> you know, Seku, I don't know if you know this, but Baron, not only is Baron on Twitter. Baron oh, yeah, I know. Started, he started a Twitter account for his beard. <laughs> Boom's beard. And every every once in a while, I'll go on Twitter and I'll check, see if there's any tweets, and there's a tweet from Baron's beard. <laughs> Ask me how my beard's looking. <laughs> checking in, checking out. They said Baron takes the beard really seriously. I, I noticed it. Have to. Baron, I was watching the video from your Rising Stars camp, um, and I just want to get this out there right now. If you ever need a volunteer to play and Jessica Alba is rolling the ball, I'm going to give you my number, and I'll tweet that to you because I'd like to get in there. <laughs> Knock it out. <laughs> I told Saker he would strike out not only in the kickball. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. Like, we have to strike you out, bro, for that one. How'd the, uh, how'd the kickball game go on Saturday, Baron? It went well, man. You know, we um, was a lot of people, a lot of friends came out. It was a, a, a nice, fun family event. Raised a lot of money for charity, you know, to uh, support these kids out here in the greater Los Angeles community. And yeah. um, it was just fun, man. It was just fun. Baron, is that, the, is that the best part now at this stage of your career in addition to playing, you know, all-star games, the playoffs and that sort of stuff, but the the kind of change you can affect off the court, in you know, in your own community? Um, you know what? I think that is the most gratifying thing to be able to be home, to be able to, you know, do things in a positive nature, to have a positive impact on uh, the community and, you know, raising money and helping these kids is, you know, probably the most important thing that, that I can do as far as giving back and, uh, you know, just winning and helping this team win. Well, you know, speaking of giving back in the community, you grew up out there in L.A. and, um, Tell us a little bit about the Crimson Blood documentary you did. I know you guys got an Emmy nomination for that. Yeah, we got nominated for an Emmy Award, and, um, you know, it was great, you know, to be able to come back and, and, and really shine a light on the current situation at hand. You know, the Crimson Bloods have always been, uh, you know, uh, something that has been talked talked about, and, and you know, it, it, gets, it, it gets bigger and bigger. The subject gets bigger and bigger, and now it's, you know, expanded to New York and Atlanta and, and all over the United States, and it was just more so trying to uh, bring some light to how it all started and give people some history and let them know that, you know, that there needs to be change and we need to pay more attention to what's going on in our inner city communities in order to, um, you know, make this place a better place for our kids to grow up in. How'd you hook up? I know Stacy Peralta directed it, and I don't know if people know him, but he did the, the surfing documentary um, i'm blanking on the name but how did you and him hook up um you know what he, we, we both had a meeting and in the meeting he had told me you know 
I, you know, I'm from L.A. and I'm from Venice, and I see this huge problem with gangs and so forth and so on. And I was like, man, that's the same thing that, you know, I grew up with. You know, I kind of grew up in and, 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 you know, tried to make a way out. And we both started talking, and we talked for about two, three hours. And uh. we basically came together and said, let's do this documentary. Baron, so many players get into other avenues and, you know, in terms of entertainment, music, and that sort of thing off the court. What sparked your interest in the movie business, and and why do you think you've had so much more success than a lot of other guys? Well, I think that I've, uh, you know, I've supplied a system. I've applied a system to it. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not just trying to go in the movie business just to say that, you know, uh, I'm not trying to smooth with stars and different things like that. I'm trying to actually make quality films and, you know, there's a pattern and there's a system to the things that I'm doing. Mm. And I think the benefit, you know, for me being able to, you know, have to make this smooth transition is the people that I have around me. I have a lot of talented people that, you know, that I believe in and, and, you know, that were going to be successful, you know, whether with me or without me. And I just chose to take the chance on a lot of my friends who were in the business early on in their in their lives and, and start a company that way. Yeah, because I'm curious. We were talking with Stu Jackson before we, we brought you on about this HBO Hard Knocks uh, series they do and how interesting it would be to have an NBA Hard Knocks-style show. And, uh, and I'm curious what you think the inside of an NBA training camp might look like to people if it was in that same kind of arena. That would be cool, I think. Um, you know, not as... I don't think it would be as intense as football, you know, because yeah. there's, so, there's so many more personalities. But it right. would be good to have sort of like an insight on a team that's, you know, uh, established or up and coming to just see, you know, how you kind of form that camaraderie and that chemistry and then all the other things that weigh in. Um, a lot of times people don't know, you know, um, all the, the hard work we put into our jobs and the different things that we have to do outside of just, you know, the two hours that we spend on the court. So right. it, it would be good to, you know, have some type of in-depth look on the current situation and, and just I think it would be great for the fans. Yeah. Well, let's talk since training camp is about to start up. What do, you, uh, what do you see this year for the Clippers? You guys made a lot of changes this summer. What do you think uh, the future holds? I think that we're going to be good, man. Uh, you know, we got a new coach, new system, new, new set of players. Uh, this is my third year there, and, you know, I, I just feel more comfortable you know, shouldering the load and, and, and really uh, establishing, you know, some camaraderie with my teammates. And I think that we have the talent and we have the youth as well as, you know, the good amount of veterans to really start and, and establish a winning attitude here. And that's just my uh, my overall goal is to be the best teammate I can be this year and help us win. Our goal is to get to the playoffs, and I think that we have a good chance of doing that. Baron, so much has been made this summer with all that's going on in Miami and LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh joining forces, all these different things going on, Shaq going to Boston. How do players in the league look at these other moves that get made and then apply them to their own situation? Like, if you're the Clippers, do you care that these guys hooked up in Miami or are your goals so specific that you're not worrying about that? Well, you can't worry about it. You can only worry about who's on your team and what you have and build from there. Uh, you know, I think that what Miami did with uh, D-Way, Ron Ron, and, and Chris Bosh, as well as, you know, Mike Miller and the rest of them guys, I thought it was great. You know, it was great for them. It was what, it was what they felt 
that they can do in order to win a championship for themselves. And, um, you know, more importantly for me, you know, in this team is, is we have our own set of goals and where we want to be and, and, and how we want to get there. So, you know, I'm just really focused and concentrated on that. How does uh, Vinny Del Negro, the new coach, how is he going to change the way you guys play this year? Well, you know, we all been in the gym this summer, man. We've been working. And yeah. I think with Coach Del Negro, um, he just brings a, a, a competitive edge and a winning attitude. And, you know, he just he's just out there making us work. You know, not really thinking about anything else but becoming better players. And he's challenging us each and every day. So that's what I like. He's a great motivator. You know, so far he's been able to motivate guys and keep us in the gym and keep us working together because we all, you know, we all want to play well and have a great season. And it's, he's one of those coaches that, you know, you'll run through a brick wall for. All right. Have you been in Blake Griffin's ear at all, Baron, just about what to expect and how to approach this season coming off the injury and missing his rookie year the way he did? Uh, you know what? I, 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 I have not. You know, that kid, he has it. He has it. He's, he's very smart, very mature you know, uh, for a rookie, and, you know, his work ethic is, is there. And he, he's, he has the basketball IQ to be able to adjust and, um, and figure things out on his, on his own. But, you know, I'll be there throughout the course of the season to give him little tidbits to help him, you know, when I see that he's struggling with, with certain things. But for the most part, you know, that kid is destined to be a superstar in this league. What else uh, do you have going on this summer, Baron? I think that uh, for the last two years, the Clipper fans or NBA fans haven't really uh, had an opportunity to see the things that I can do. So I know that this year for me is going to be a special year, and um, that's all I'm doing right now is just working on my game. Why is that? Why don't Why don't you think people have had the opportunity to to see you do what you can do? Well, I think uh, with injuries, you know, the first year and then last right. year. Um, with all the trades and stuff and kind of the team breaking down uh, midway through the season, um, I'm just excited for, you know, kind of like a new frontier and, and a new chance. Okay. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm real curious, too, Baron, with the, the Western Conference is kind of shuffled up. You know, it's anybody's game. You know, after those first couple teams, I think a lot of people have everybody bunched in together. How high a climb do you think the Clippers can make this year? I think we can, we can make uh, – a lot of a lot of great starts. Uh, last year we we were in the we were in the hunt all the way up into the All Star break, and then that's when we kind of fell apart. But um, you know we were missing some pieces. Guys were hurt, right. um, and we just didn't have the chemistry that we needed in order to like compete with with some of the elite teams. And you know that's why we're doing all that we're doing now. You know we're paying our dues in the gym, we're in the gym working out with each other and just trying to make you know the most out of this season coming up because we feel like talent-wise, we definitely have the talent to be able to compete on a high level. Right. As uh, as someone in the movie business, Baron, what's uh, what's the best movie you've seen this summer? Um, that's a good one, man. Inception, maybe? Um, uh, I don't know. I like that for Smut. I thought that was fun. I like comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like if Saker and I invited you to dinner. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Made you bring Chris Kamen along with you. I'm Chris Kamen is from my hometown, by the way, from Grandpa's, Michigan. So take care of him out there in L.A. for me. <laughs>
funny dude. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Well, look, man, we appreciate you taking the time, man. And, again, uh, great work with the Rising Stars camp and all the other stuff you got going on, man. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Keep that beard in shape, man. I'm working on my... Yeah, you too, bro. You do that I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be ready for, like, opening day. I'm, I'm working. It's growing yeah, in. Yeah, I need it. I need that look. All right. Bear Davis. Bear Davis. Bear Davis. Los bro. Angeles Clippers joining us. You can catch him on on Twitter all over the place. Uh, and you can also catch his beard uh, on Twitter. So, right. Lang, that, you know what's funny? Um Baron, I remember when Baron Davis was in high school. I was watching this the other day, um, the McDonald's All American Dunk Contest. Yeah, and I, you know, you you start laughing when you realize how long some of these guys have been in the league. Um, you know, but like he he won the dunk contest the year he was in the McDonald's game, and people freaked out because they had no idea he was that athletic. Like you know, yeah. a six two, you know, six foot two, you know, point guard who could basically jump in and play above the rim like a guy four or five inches taller than himself. So it's 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 just funny to me looking at some of these players and where their careers have gone and where they've where they've come after all these years, man. I'm I'm enjoying watching Baron Davis on and off the court at this stage of his career. You remember when he was at UCLA and he was just so athletic, but then he tore his ACL his yeah. freshman year and yeah. in the NCAA tournament, I think. And then he came back. Um and even though the is Awesome as he is now, we don't see – he's not as athletic as he was back then. Uh, but now I think we see little bits and pieces of it, like when he dunked on Kirilenko in exactly. the playoffs a couple of years ago. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I just hope he can stay healthy and uh, play up to his potential. No question. I mean, because I like – he had me staying up late, late, late nights that year they played uh, in that playoff series uh, yep. when, they, when they upset uh, the Mavericks that year. So it's like I love watching – the good guys in the league. And we talked about this before. You look, we had Josh Childress on before. Like the, the league is full of fantastic personalities and people that don't make the headlines as much as they should. So I'm glad we have a chance to get him here on the hang time podcast. I agree. Um, Lang Whitaker. Listen, I'm, I'm going to let you off easy this week. I'm going to give you a break. You, you, you take a break next week and enjoy yourself up there in New York. Go see another landmark. Okay. <laughs> Took you ten years to see Radio City. <laughs> it's you know. all done, man. I've seen it all now. I don't know. I don't Come on now. Get up not, to not on my bucket list. Get up to Money Earning Mount Vernon or Queensbridge and hang out with Ron Ron or something. I mean, you know. If Ron Ron comes to town, we gotta get him on the uh <laughs> if, if the podcast. If Ron Ron comes to town and you don't handcuff him in the slam dome next the next time we're on the podcast i'm gonna be upset all right i, I think he's been here before i uh <laughs> we've had a bunch of guys come through in the past so yeah we listen we went from the you know we had the police on the day Stu jackson the, you know the in-house police uh and then baron davis so i'm my day is done i'm i'm feeling good man the hang time podcast once again delivering it in all sorts of wacky and wild ways lang whitaker Executive Editor Slam Magazine joins us again as our special guest co-host. Listen, we're gonna make it permanent. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna introduce you anymore as some, you know, uh, special guest and none of that. Just Lang Whitaker back talk again. My, talk to my agent. Exactly, back again. We'll send you, we'll send you uh, an invoice every week for, <laughs> for the me, regular fee. Send me the minimum contract. Exactly, which is a diet coke and a pack of Twizzlers. <laughs> uh, 
you know. But thanks, Lang, for coming on and out. And I'll definitely be talking to you in the coming days. All these Twizzlers already have a bite out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Micah Hart, our super producer behind the glass. And Christy, man in the controls in place of Clint Hawkins, who I think he's got that orange jumpsuit on again. But uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks on the Hang Time Podcast. Thanks to Baron Davis of the Los Angeles Clippers and Stu Jackson, the vice president, executive vice president of basketball ops for the NBA. See you next time.